December is a month that's full of great things. There's a lot of important things that happen in the month of December. I'm going to get right to it. There's a lot of famous people born in the month of December, all right? Let me go through the list. You want to hear the list of the famous people that were born in the month of December? All right, you wonder. Let me give you one off the bat, Britney Spears. You know who else? Pablo Escobar. You may not get the reference. I get it. Um, Aussie Osborne was born in December. Okay, settle down, all right? Jay-Z. <laughs> what's, what's going on? Like, we got this fan base in here? Like, <laughs> Jamie Foxx, Taylor Swift, Steven Spielberg, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Ray Mysterio, Denzel Washington, Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Seacrest, LeBron James, <laughs> Brian Mitchell, Moises Zayas. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Just famous people everywhere. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, man. No, but I, I, I bring this up because today we, we celebrate exactly that. We, we're celebrating the birthday of our Savior, Jesus. Um, but Winston Churchill said, Christmas is a season of not only rejoicing, but also reflecting. And this morning we want to celebrate, but at the same time re re reflect on what this amazing event meant for all of us. And what better way to start than talking about a baby? You ever notice that we have the tendency to just be nicer when there's a baby around? Right? We had Erica in the front. She's showing her little baby bump, and everybody, I put a smile on everybody's face coming in. <laughs> you know, people speak softly around babies. They're gentle to them. They even speak completely different languages <laughs> to babies. There's all these Google Gaga's things going on. We bring gifts to the parents. We bring gifts to the baby. Not to mention, we are extremely nice to pregnant women. Because nobody wants that smoke, right? <laughs> I mean. Interestingly enough, when looking at the Christmas story, it actually begins with just that. It begins with the baby. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. It says, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for, her to have to, for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. We have this baby being born in this manger, which was a place where they kept animals. The greatest event in all of history occurring in one of the most humblest circumstances. Think about this for a second. Jesus, the king of kings, was not born like a king, did not live like a king by earthly standards. Teaching us this great lesson from the get-go, from the start, that while we serve God here on earth, our lives must be characterized by our humility and simplicity. And in fact, a lot of us hear that and think to ourselves, there's no way that I want my life to be full of humbleness and simplicity. 
but it's a lot more relaxing and a lot more calming when we think of our lives that way. If we just think of life being simple and humble, it brings peace to our hearts. What makes this season stressful is all the extras that we add to it. The stress of the things that we have to get, right? The, 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 me, the, 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 the family and the person we're going to see and all these things get tagged on. But this was what Christmas was really all about. I know December usually has the positive effect. It's usually packed full of things, getting the perfect gift, being nice to the people we haven't seen in a while and we don't really like like that, preparing good meals, participating in those games and activities just to keep tradition going. You might be in this service and this might be another checklist item off your list on the 24th. And while all these things are great, if we're not careful, we could allow what we celebrate to replace the one we should be celebrating. Let's not miss the opportunity this morning to understand that Christmas brings something out of all of us that is different and special. Something, it, you know, you, you, you have this tendency to want to be generous, to want to be kind, festive, friendly, and social. And frankly, if you consider the moment of all these things, it shouldn't be something that we just display one time a year during a season. That's one of the saddest parts about Christmas is that we call it a season. And while we highlight this season, we actually have the tendency to understand that the season has to end. And therefore, all those characteristics that we've displayed through the season and with it. We shouldn't let the season limit us to what we can do every day in our lives. Now, the reason why we feel this certain tug inside all of us to be more intentional during the season goes far beyond the gifts and the gathering and the lights and the game. As we reflect this morning, ask yourself, what about this event that took place in Scripture made it such a joyful moment to be celebrated? And I believe Luke chapter 2 tells us the reason. We're going to be reading verse 11 here. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Sadly, most of us celebrate Christmas without the knowledge that there is a need in all of us to have a Savior. But Jesus being called a Savior, what could that possibly mean for all of us in the room today? Here's what, here's what we need to know. As a Savior, he came to rescue us from sin which is spiritual death and separation from God. This mission, including freeing us from Satan's power, preserving us from the ungodly influence, setting us free from the power of fear, giving us victory over death, and saving us from the final judgment from our offenses against God. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the bottom part of that verse says, for he will save his people from their sins. Not only that, but he came to rescue us, but he also came to be our Lord. The Savior, Jesus, is the only one worthy of leading your life and leading your life fully. He has been anointed, which means set apart, commissioned, and power as the Messiah over his people. And the Lord who will rule over his people with love. Because no one can truly just have Jesus the Savior, they also need Jesus the Lord. 
In other words, he must be both forgiver of our sins and Lord of our lives. Amen? This is the sum up reason why we celebrate this miraculous event. That after much tragedy, discouragement, and despair, the help had finally arrived. The rescue team was finally here. The promised Savior had finally arrived. Let's read Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read the beginning part of verse 1, and then we're going to do 6 and 7. I love verse 1 because it says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Can we say amen for that? The stress, the oppression, the difficulties that we face in life, Isaiah prophesied this will not go on forever. It will end. And then it jumps to verse 6 and verse 7 where it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestors, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the lords of heaven's armies will make this happen. Friends, this happened about 700 years prior to the actual birth of Jesus. A prophet prophesying that this was actually going to take place. But the question this morning is, did he live up to the hype? Did he fulfill the title? Because when we look around to the world today, we can say to ourselves, it's still pretty messy out here. There's trouble all over the place. Thousands of years later, we see all kinds of issues with the world. So did God actually live up to this title? Did Jesus truly accomplish the mission that he was set forth to accomplish? Many people read this prophecy back in the day, and they had this expectation of what a Savior would be like. Some thought he would be a warrior who would drive the enemies away. Others thought he would be a powerful judge condemning sinners. But no one expected someone like Jesus. No one expected that level of Savior. A God who surrounded himself with ordinary people. A Savior who taught people how to relate to God by caring for other people. He performed miracles that benefited people who were considered insignificant or spiritually dead. Jesus ate meals with sinners and offered hope to broken and suffering people. He went above and beyond and did something that the culture wasn't ready to experience. He went, he got invited to parties and went and preached to people. He knew that the world didn't need another powerful earthly ruler. We needed something much, much, much deeper than that. A new way of life rooted in humility, forgiveness, and generosity. Because this way of life will build connection with other people, bringing hope to people with, that would feel insignificant and will remind us that we're part of something, something bigger than ourselves. One of the things I love about the good news of Jesus is that it is good news. We look at it as like this oppressive message that's going to tie us down to something. In my heart, is the only way to experience true freedom. 
It's good news. It's called the good news for a reason. It's meant to give us freedom and freedom in Christ. You have never experienced freedom if you haven't experienced it through Jesus. Amen? Friends, Jesus is much more than a positive example for us. He is God with us. And he gave up his life and rose again from the dead to make a way for all of us to find true and lasting forgiveness. The Christmas story is a powerful preview of that same life. It reminds us of what God is like and how he saved the world. Every day, followers of Jesus choose forgiveness, show generosity, and make others the center of their lives. And each one of those choices makes the world a little bit more like heaven as Jesus intended it to be. Amen? At Christmas, God gave his son as a gift to the world. It's a gift of purpose, belonging, and forgiveness. It's a gift we get to share with other people. Every opportunity we get, we tell others about the good news of Jesus because it is what we live for. Friends, if I had the cure to your sickness, I would be the first one to tell you. I wouldn't keep that to myself. I believe that Jesus is what this world needs. So anytime I have the opportunity to tell you, I'm going to tell you this is the cure for our lives. My question to you today is, what will people say about you during this season? that you were angry, depressed, rebellious, unhappy, divisive with your family, that you only acted the way you did during this particular season and then you went back to being your good old self. Today, consider the reason Jesus was sent to this world. It was to redeem your life today and for eternity. This wasn't just a once and done thing. No, he is trying to do something that will last forever. The greatest gift of all was given to us by God. No one will ever up that gift, give you anything better. It is the best thing you will ever receive in your life. And nothing could ever replace it. John 3, 16 to 17 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It's not about your condition and how bad you are. It's about saving you and making you better. If you sit here today and you know this, that God gave true love, no greater gift has ever been given or will ever be given. However, it is still our opportunity to receive it. Some people are able to read this and not feel any connection whatsoever. Jesus, what? Listen, man, whatever. Good for you. And that's okay. Others listen to the story and while something within them challenges them to feel a certain way, People that know that something may need to be different in their lives. You may say, Moises, this message feels kind of different during Christmas. I thought, why are you yelling? Shouldn't we be smiling and celebrating? But and I want you to know that my, my goal this morning is not, it's not to ignore the manger, to focus on the cross just like it isn't to focus on the cross and enjoy and ignore the manger. 
In Christmas, we celebrate the reality that Jesus came. But with the cross, we understand why he came. Those things go hand in hand. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus is finally here. And at the cross, we know why he's here. He is the boy who lived to die for you and I. What's important for me this morning is that you would hear this truth. You may not want to hear it or accept it. However, I believe that if this truth is balanced with a bunch of love, all of us could be a little bit receptive to what I'm saying this morning. You know, my dad, he hugged up on the TV growing up. There's nobody that was getting that remote from my dad. We were two boys at home and my dad would sit there. He would come home from work and we knew that dad was watching the TV. So Eddie and I would just have to watch whatever my dad was watching. So we grew up watching movies like Tombstone, The Last of the Mohicans, just these classics, man. And we watch them over and over and over again. So I grew up watching this movie, Tombstone. There's this character in the movie Tombstone. His name is Doc Holliday. Okay, settle down, everybody. <laughs> he, he starts coughing up blood after a night of poker. A doctor comes in and says to him, your disease is so advanced, you have lost a significant amount of lung tissue, he says to him. You have to change your life, he says to him. Doc Holliday gets upset. He didn't like what he said. He said, get out. After the doctor leaves, he sits there and he thought about it and he looked at his girl, Kate. And he said to Kate, hey, I think we need to talk about the nature of our relationship. She lights up a cigarette, puts it in his mouth, begins to <laughs> caress him. And she says to him, I've been so good to you. And she said, we're not, we're going to be fine. We're not changing anything, she said. And Doc Holliday said to her, you're a good woman. Kate gets up, walks away. And then Doc Holliday says, or you may be the Antichrist. <laughs> See, he, he didn't like what the doctor was saying. But the doctor was trying to save him. He was okay with what she was saying to him. But what she was saying to him was going to kill him. Jesus isn't trying to be cruel to us as people. He's not on a power trip to take over our lives. To make us meaningless. Instead, out of his love, he gave his life for this. And this love he offers will never fail you. It will never end because true love never does. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, but love will last forever. This may not be the most convenient choice of your life, but it is the most beneficial. It is the, the best choice you could ever make in your life. You know what makes it difficult? Is that there's opposition to it. Matthew 7, 13 says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gates 
are wide open for the many to choose that path. The way to God is narrow, and that's the truth. But we have a loving God on our side who can lead us forward. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Just close your eyes. To you, maybe this birth may be meaningless. Or to you, this thing may be so meaningful. I want you to understand the why to the what this morning. To understand that the story is not just about a little baby who was born of a virgin. Yes, that took place. But that took place so that he would die and save you of your wicked ways. I want to give you the opportunity this morning, and we're going to go into a little time of communion to make this fitting. But I want to give you the opportunity this morning before I move on to the next thing. We're wrapping it up here. If you have never given God the opportunity to be Lord of your life, if you want to receive the greatest gift that has ever been provided for us, this is your opportunity to do so. I want you to lift your hand right where you're at and we're gonna do a corporate prayer together. There is a God who gave up his life, who was born into this world so that you would have the hope of eternity and everlasting life with him. If you're here in the room and you want that gift, lift up your hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else, I see that hand. It is the best decision that anyone could have ever made. It'll change your life forever. It is not the restrictive news, it is the good news of a savior. Amen? As we bow our heads, let's pray together and repeat after me, church. Lord Jesus, we give you our hearts. We thank you for your birth for the opportunity to access eternity in heaven forever. We acknowledge that you died for our sins, but that you rose again in victory, giving us the hope of an eternity with you. We accept that gift Thank you. We are unworthy. But with you, through you, we are made worthy. We love you, God. And we thank you for your gift. In your name we pray. Amen. Styles, take it away. What a wonderful culminating message. To those who receive Jesus today, we rejoice with you as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to the first day of your new life. Moises mentioned earlier, and as we prepare to take communion, if you did not receive the elements as you came in, just slip your hand up and Megan or Tammy will find you. I think we're good. Moises mentioned earlier that Jesus is both our Savior and Lord. And that in fact, he is the only one worthy to fulfill those roles in our lives. 
There's a remarkable and surreal scene in Revelation chapter five that I want to highlight for us as we conclude this Christmas Eve service together with communion. In Revelation four, John was transported to the throne room of heaven. He saw God seated on the throne, surrounded by a heavenly host and 24 elders clothed in white with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came forth flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. And before the throne were seven torches of fire representing the Holy Spirit. On each side of the throne were the four living creatures who day and night never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to God, the 24 elders then would fall down and worship, casting their crowns before him saying, worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. But then in chapter five, the tenor of this scene shifts suddenly and unexpectedly and takes a somber tone. In the right hand of God seated on his throne appears a scroll written on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And a mighty angel comes forward asking with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And as John looked on, he saw that no one in heaven or on earth or underneath the earth was able to open the scroll or to open it. And he began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy. But then one of the 24 elders approaches John and says, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seals. And then we see standing in the midst of the throne now, a lamb as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out through all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken it, the living creatures along with the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and sang a new song, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth but it didn't end there because immediately after that many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands joined in with a loud voice saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. There is only one worthy church and his name is Jesus and he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, savior of the world and redeemer of our souls. And as we take communion now, this last communion together of the year, there is no reason for us to be despondent as John was at the beginning of this scene as though we have no hope because we know how this story began and we know that the cross is bare and that the tomb is empty and that death has been defeated and our blessed hope is coming again. Jesus, this morning, we confess you as Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior, and that you alone are worthy. We thank you for taking the punishment of our sin upon your body and for spilling your blood 
for the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, stand up with us. Take the bread and the cup there where you stand. And then let's stand together and worship. And on behalf of Pastor Moises and the rest of the team here, we hope that you and yours have a blessed Christmas.